Father, thank you that your spirit is here with us, that when two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of us. And Father, thank you that you are here with us, that your spirit is speaking to us. Father, I pray that you would um, silence all other voices, all other things that would distract us from hearing what you would have us know and Father, I pray that you would um, call us to yourself uh, wherever we are in the journey. Uh, call us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. And um, or maybe for some of us, just a recognition of you. Maybe, um, maybe we don't want to be here. Maybe we couldn't wait to get here. Maybe... Um, well, you know all the maybes, Father. And so um, I just pray that your word would go out and that you would um, allow us um, to grow and learn and hear the truth and, um, and then speak the truth to each other in love. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I went to Phoenix Christian High School, and we had to sign um, an agreement when we first went there. Um, we had to uh, agree to certain things. Uh, we weren't allowed to smoke. We weren't allowed to drink. We weren't allowed to, um, there were other things that weren't specifically mentioned that were assumed. Um, but one of the things we weren't allowed to do was watch movies. Um, go to movies. We were never allowed to go to movies, and we had to sign this agreement. Um, and I signed that agreement, and I was pretty good. <laughs> but there was a movie that was out that I wanted to see, and so my friend and I went to the movies late at night, the last show. And when we were in the movie, one of the teachers from the school walked in. And they noticed, uh, the teacher noticed us, and we of course noticed him, and then we quickly looked away. <laughs> Um, very awkward. That's just, it, it still remains one of those just horribly awkward moments in your life when you go, oof, I don't want to be here. I knew. But the nice thing is, nobody was going to tell. <laughs> right? We weren't going to tell because it would be an automatic suspension. We'd get suspended for three days um, if we went to a movie or smoked a cigarette or did any of those things. I, I know this sounds odd to you in the present circumstances, but this is the kind of world that we lived in then. So it was, it was very different. But anyway, um, and, and the teacher sure wasn't going to tell because they'd probably lose their job. So, um, so now fortunately, I didn't have that teacher for any of my classes. So that was good because otherwise that would have been horrible every day. Um, but I would see him occasionally around campus, and he would see me, and we would look away, right? 
kind of ruined any relationship that I was ever going to have with him. I had signed an agreement. I had said I wouldn't do something, and then I did it. I was a hypocrite. I was a liar. <laughs> that was uh, that was a recognition that I came to later. At the time, I just felt shame. But later on, I realized, eh, you know, I really did agree to do this stuff. I signed a statement. I made a commitment. And then I didn't keep it. I was a hypocrite. So lest you think that that just happened ages ago and now I've arrived and I'm no longer a hypocrite, I don't know, if you're on Facebook, there's this kind of cool thing that goes on in Facebook and um, lately where you can um, like talk, you, you post the cover of music albums that had a huge effect on your life or that you really appreciate or that you still play regularly. And you're not supposed to make any explanation. You just post the cover. And so I thought, well, that'd, that'd be kind of fun. For 10 days, 10 different albums, what are the 10 albums that, that everyone, you know, that I listen to and love and, and think are great? So then I started looking at the various albums and thought about them And I realize I have the world's lamest taste in music. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> there is no one who loves the music that I love. And, and, and it's not just, it's just in aggregate, I have really lousy taste in music. I think, but I like it, right? Now, to my credit, I like the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band's, uh, yeah, the uh, Circle Will the Circle Be Unbroken album. Now, you've got to admit, that's a great album. That's good music. But I'm a Doc Watson fan. Now, like, I can play a guitar, and he can sing beautiful old Hills music. Some of you, like, I have no idea who this is, right? Um, and then, but then the other day, I, 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 posted a picture of Garrison Keillor and the Hopeful Gospel Quartet, right? That's, it's just downhill. Like, and, and so I know while I'm doing this, like, but when I first was going to do this, I thought, I'm, I'm going to do these album covers, these ones. Um, and then I thought, no, I'm going to go find cool music so that people will think I listen to cool music. So I was looking up albums of great music that I've heard about or I've listened to, but then I realized that isn't the music that I listen to. And if I post that stuff, I would just be a fraud. I actually listen to Garrison Keillor and the Hopeful Gospel Quartet regularly. I like that album. And everyone else just goes, wow, Rod. My wife, poor wife, she, she just, she... It's the things I make her do is listen to my music. So now we always drive in silence because the radio can't be on and I can't put any of my CDs in. Now, 
she likes beady music, and I'm not sure what that means. It's her own genre, but if it's got a good beat, then she likes it. So when the band plays beady music at church, she's all, but it's kind of ill-defined. Um, but she doesn't like the Hopeful Gospel Quartet. When I was going to put up those album covers, one of them was a kind of a, a, an album of praise songs, and I, and I was going to put that up, and then I thought of Eric, and I thought, you know, Eric just will just shake his head. Um, he'll just be so disappointed that I put this goofy old praise album up, when in fact I should have the village's fantastic music up there because that's... I should just, and I should, because I do listen to that as well, the old uh, CD that we made a long time ago. All that to say, everything in me wanted to fit in. Everything in me wants to be cool, to be thought of as cool. But I'm not cool. Well, Eric said I was so uncool once that I had almost made the switch back into coolness. (laughs) So... But, but I, want, I want people to think highly of me. I, I want people to think that I listen to really good music and I want people to think that, that what I do and music-wise and every other way, that, that, that I'm okay. I want to fit in. I want to be cool. I want to not have people make fun of me or think I'm stupid. Galatians 2, 11 through 14 is the part of scripture that we're looking at tonight. And it's talking about Peter, although it references him as Cephas in this. It says, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Paul goes after Peter because Paul, Peter's not acting in line with the gospel. You see, the gospel is all about freedom. It's about freedom to do whatever you want to do and not be under the law. Freedom, gospel brings freedom. If I were truly free, I would just post album covers, and I'm trying to do that now, of whatever kind of music I like. Doesn't matter whether you like it or you think I'm stupid or whatever. It's about freedom, not law. Jesus comes and he fulfills the law. He doesn't make the law go away, he fulfills it. And he keeps it perfectly. And it's to free us from fear. It's to free us from our desire to conform and to look good and to do all those things. You see, when, we're, when we operate in fear, we, we're denying the very work of the gospel, the work of what Jesus has done. Now, when we talk about Jesus fulfilling the law, it's not like he makes the law go away. 
like we don't have, we still have moral responsibilities, right? The Ten Commandments says you can't kill people. So, you know, Jesus, ah, oh, Jesus fulfilled that so I can go murder people now. Yes, you know, because I've got a list. And, um, or, or now I can go steal stuff. It's going to be okay, right? No, there's still this law that exists, the moral law that Jesus invites us in, but he's calling us to it. Uh, he doesn't negate it in the sense that he um, tells you you don't have to obey it anymore. No, he he fulfills it. He keeps the law perfectly. He never kills. He never murders. He never he never steals. He never commits adultery. He doesn't do any of the things we do. Plus all the ceremonial law and all the conditions of of uh, that the Jewish people had to keep in order to keep separate from the other tribes and nations around them. All of those are done away with in Christ. Jesus fulfills the law. So what had happened was when um, the gospel starts to spread, when the good news starts to spread, there are the Jews who, who are keeping, they're the keepers of the law. Now they're used to certain rules and regulations and requirements. Uh, requirements that were real in the Old Testament. They're, they're required to keep them. And one of the things that they will not do is that Jews will not associate with Gentiles. They will not eat meals with them. They, they refuse to. They keep themselves separate. They keep themselves kosher. My next-door neighbor is a Jewish lady, and she keeps kosher. And so every year at Christmas, when the yard guy comes and brings her tamales full of pork she calls me up in a frantic and says hey i can't have these in my house you know or i have to go through this whole cleaning thing and so i get instead of a dozen tamales we get two dozen so that's kind of nice um but but she's living under a law she's living under certain rules and i have freedom i don't have to live like that because i'm a gentile i don't i'm not required to live under that law but the jews did keep that law and then it created a problem because all of a sudden Gentiles are flocking to the gospel and they're hearing the good news of what Jesus has done and they're becoming Christians and followers of Jesus and, but they don't, they don't have any such compunction about, about, uh, you know, what you eat and, and when you eat it and who you eat with. So they're just going on about their life. And so people get upset about this. So they have this big convention, this religious convention in Jerusalem, and people come and they make this huge, or they have this huge discussion about what are we going to do about this? Do should the and there's this two schools of thought. One is, well, everybody needs to become Jewish. They all need to be circumcised. They they need to become Jews. They need to be like us. They need to fit in. They need to do what we do. But then they realize, no, that's not right. Because that's not the gospel. Because the gospel is freedom. Freedom to eat. Freedom to eat anything. So they had made a decision. Now, as a slight aside, they also decided at this conference, this Jerusalem conference, they decided that for the sake of the Jewish people, um, there were certain uh, a certain couple rules that had to be kept. One one was the rule that you couldn't um, 
eat meat offered to idols, and you couldn't eat meat that had been strangled, the animal had been strangled. So the, but that was a, a concession to the Jewish people, but the sweep of it all was freedom, to live in freedom. Now, how does that come about? Well, one of the things that we're talking about Peter here, right? He, Peter is now, he comes and he's, and he's living like a Gentile because he's realized the freedom of the gospel. And he's realized that he doesn't have to keep all these little nitpicky rules about from his Jewish past. That as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, as a believer in this new way of being, that, that he doesn't have to do that. That didn't just come to him as a theological nicety. Acts 10, 9 through 16 tells a story. It says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter had replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. Peter had had this amazing experience with the presence of God. He had seen this, this amazing vision that allowed him to eat anything, that allowed him to enjoy all that God had made. And Peter had said, no, 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 nope. I've always kept the law, I'm a rule keeper, I've done it perfectly, I'm excellent. Just ask me and I'll tell you, I am so good on this. So no thanks. And God says, don't call impure what God has made clean. The Gentiles, according to the Jews, were impure. They were unclean. God had made them clean. He had washed away their sin. He had made them through faith part of the community of Christ. To call them impure, to call them unclean, was, was sinful because you were doing what God has expressly forbidden Peter to do. So Peter was hanging out with Gentiles and he was eating meal. They'd have a love feast. This again, this was an era when obviously there weren't restaurants and there, you know, Jack in the Box and, and Taco Bell. And so you met together in people's homes and so they all the believers would gather in a home and there were both Jews and Gentiles in the home and they would eat together and they would share the meal and and Peter didn't keep kosher. He didn't do what he was supposed to do as a Jew. 
But then some people came. Certain men came from James. <laughs> there were these Judaizers. They were, they, were, they were kind of the rule keepers. And they were the ones who demanded that you keep the rules, keep the law. And Peter was afraid. And he withdraws from them. He stands back. He, he stands back from the Gentiles. And he starts talking like his Jewish counterparts. He wants all of a sudden for Gentiles to begin to follow the Jewish customs. He wants to turn Gentiles into Jews. And there's the problem, right? So many of us want to look good. We want to be seen as good. And that's what Peter wants. His fear leads him to just, if I could just look good. I don't want to be good. Because <laughs> that's a lot of work. And that's kind of scary. And I could get hurt. So I'll just look good. I'll withdraw. The famous church reformer Martin Luther said a two-word sentence that I've always loved. He says, sin boldly. Sin boldly. If you're going to sin, sin. Do it. Do it where everybody sees, where everybody knows. But that's not what Peter's doing. He's not sinning boldly. He's, he's hiding He's ashamed. He doesn't want to be seen. He's not bold. Now it'd be one thing if for the sake of the Gentiles he gave up certain freedoms or if these folks that came would say, hey, for the sake of the gospel we'll make adjustments. Again, the sweep of the gospel is always toward freedom. It's always toward freedom. It's not to law-keeping. We have rules. <laughs> we have rules in our house. We have rules in church. You just heard some of them, right? If you're over, if you're nine and over, get off the swings or there's going to be trouble. We have rules. Those rules are for safety, but they're rules. Now, in a perfect world, all the nine and aboves would go, I'm much too mature to swing on a swing set, and I'm not going to go play where the kids, where I might hurt small children, right? Yeah. Suddenly a few parents are laughing. I don't know why that is. Right? In a perfect world, we would care so much about the other that we wouldn't think to hurt them. We wouldn't want to do that. We would limit our freedom. We can voluntarily give up our freedom. Now, you can't give up other people's freedom, but you can give up your own freedom, right? You have the freedom 
to restrict your freedom. You have the freedom to restrict your freedom. You can say, I could do this, but it will cause harm to others, and therefore I'm not going to do it. Instead, more often, we like to create rules for other people. Rules for ourselves, but really just rules for others. And when we don't follow the rules, we hide that because they will point out our hypocrisy. Always love that the number one reason people give for not going to church is because people there are hypocrites. I love that. That's true. (laughs) Every one of you is a hypocrite. I guarantee it. If I walked around with a tape recorder, or better yet, a mind reader, for a week, and then we played it up on the screens on Sunday, I don't think you'd be here. You'd run out as fast as you could. It'd be entertaining, as long as it's the other guy, right? (laughs) Otherwise, not so much fun, right? We are hypocrites. We're all hypocrites. What we say we do and what we actually do are often two different things. But freedom invites us into being who we truly are in Christ. We're free, but we're not given license to hurt, to cause pain. We're to use our freedom to free others. We're to use our freedom to help others, to be generous and kind and loving towards others, not to make rules for them, Think about the rules that you make for others, things that they have to do for you to accept that they're truly a follower of Jesus. I'm a pastor, and I I got a list. (laughs) I think, how could you be a Christian and not ever read your Bible? How how could you be a Christian and not pray? How, How could you be a Christian and not normally... Keep those with in my inside voice, you know, uh, but not my outside voice. Because we judge each other, right? We look at each other and say, "How could you do that? How can you? How can you call yourself a Christian and do that? How could you be a Christian and and do this other thing that you just did?" We're really good at pointing out the hypocrisy in others, and we're really bad at pointing it out in ourselves. Not only does this passage invite us into freedom, Paul confronts Peter. He goes up to Peter and he says, you're just wrong. So I want to talk a little bit about confrontation because that's inevitable. We're going to see each other's failures and failings. You're going to see my hypocrisy and I'm going to see yours. And when we do that, we have an obligation to love each other enough to confront each other. Notice what Paul does. He confronts Peter to his face. 
not via a text message, not on Facebook. I know, they didn't have it, but they could have. And, and he doesn't write him a letter. He confronts him to his face. We are followers of Jesus, for the most part, here in this room, and our obligation is not to confront each other any way other than face to face. When you have to say hard things to someone about their not following the way of the gospel, you need to have, you have to do it face to face, which is why we don't want to do it, right? I didn't want to confront that teacher in the movie theater. Hi, why are you here? Because I know what he's going to say. Well, why are you here? And I know where that's going to lead, right? We don't want to do that. But it is our obligation as believers to confront each other face to face. If you have an issue with someone in this community because of how they live their lives, because they're not following after the gospel, then you need to go to them face to face and say what it is that needs to be said. Paul loves Peter. We'll talk a little bit about that a little further down the road. He loves Peter enough to confront him. I have said so often that when we confront each other, we have to do so in love. If you're confronting somebody in anger, you are not doing the gospel. If you are mad as hops at what they're doing and you go confront them, it's not the gospel you're following. Matter of fact, someone should confront you about your failure to follow the ways of the gospel, right? With love, with compassion, with tenderness. You confront someone face to their face. You don't mince words. Paul, sure, sure he, I mean, it's just flat out there. I confronted him to his face. You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? He confronts him to his face, and he says with a minimum amount of words, explain yourself. That's another thing we have to do when we confront. We have to give the person room to say something, to respond. There may be something that we don't know. There may simply be a response that says, I'm really sorry, I, I shouldn't do that. Confront with facts. Be sure. Do not confront someone and say, you're not following the ways of the gospel unless you're absolutely 100 billion percent sure that it is that the truth that they're not following the gospel. That's again one of the reasons why we fail to confront. We don't like to confront people with the truth. Part of it is because we don't want them to find out about us, and part of it is because we're not so sure of ourselves. If you're going to say someone's sinning, you better be sure. And you better be sure it's a sin and not just an opinion or an idea or a way of thinking or 
something like that. And the invitation, I think, from this passage is that Paul goes boldly. You know, Peter is the saint of the saints. Peter is like the rock, Jesus says, on which he's going to build his church. This is like the number one guy. And Paul is like, wasn't even an apostle. And he's kind of taken on the name of being an apostle. He's not really one. Is he? And so he he's taking a tremendous risk as kind of the junior guy approaching a senior guy. So don't let differences in status keep you from speaking the truth in love face-to-face, to each other. So what was the result of this confrontation, right? I always love that. What's the result of the confrontation? What, what happens? Well, they go to war, and they hate each other, and they never talk to each other, and I'm going to go to a different church, and I'm not going to be in, we're not going to be friends anymore. We're not going to be in relationship. You stink. 2 Peter 3, 14-16, this is Peter writing. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Peter compliments Paul. He says Paul says hard things and he says good things and they're hard to understand, but they're important. Why does he say that? Because he's, been ex- he's experienced it, right? He, he knows what it's like to be confronted. Confront when you see the gospel not being followed. What's the gospel? What was it? Come on. Eric said, asked the question every week and then you guys can't remember The good news and the victories of Jesus, right? The great victory of Jesus, the good news. This is what it is. The good news is you are no longer under the law. The good news is you are walking free in Christ. You are freed to follow in his way and his path. Free to take joy in the life you've been given. 1 Peter 2, 16 and 17 says... Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Live as people who are free. Don't make rules you must make them, make them for yourself and follow them. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't expect of others what you don't do yourself. Live as people who are free.
Any questions, pushbacks, thoughts, ideas? Mike Runner. Um, so I guess I was wondering if you have any anything to say about the um, I guess when when does an opinion or can an opinion become a sin? Um, because for me, touchy subjects like that, uh, you know, they can be political or um, I just choose not to take a side because I don't know if this one side is going to be a sin or, and I don't know, that might be just as bad, but um, doesn't, can an opinion become a sin? Right. So a violation of the law, right, is, is a sin, right? That we miss the mark. Now, there are people, many of us, I think, who from time to time believe that exactly like, how could you walk by a homeless person and not feed them and therefore you've sinned against them because you happen to walk by. <clears throat> now, that like, we have to decide, is that a sin? Is that a denial of the gospel, right? And the, well, maybe I don't have food with me. Maybe I give to the food bank and the food shelter or, or uh, homeless shelters. Like, there are other ways to solve that. So, so it's often that we have to say, is this a violation of the gospel? What, what? Peter had done wasn't just a an act of of uh, an opinion it was a direct violation of what had come from God himself in scripture that said there's no such thing as unclean people tag on what Jesse was was asking about it also seems like when someone's opinion becomes violent, you know, or or antagonistic, or it becomes the point, that's that seems to be when sin is is possible. I guess. Sure, conflict. That's where the conflict arises often, right? So to say, I mean, we'll we'll always have conflict because we have disagreements as to what rises to the level of being a violation of the gospel. <laughs> That's why I think it's so important for us to find ways to actually um, confront each other rather than and, and do that in a Christ-like way. Because yes, we're going to have disagreements. What rises to the to the level of that's a violation of the law and or a violation of the gospel? Anyone else? I just wanted to say that I th don't think your musical taste sucks at all. <laughs> the songs Mike leaves for you on Facebook are intentionally bad, so I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I've been reminded by many people throughout my life that I have strange musical tastes. So. I, just, I just wanted to reiterate what you had said already before, but how it's so important to speak with your opinion in love. Like, if that's the that's the line for me, like, it's a sin if you're not doing it in love, if you're doing it in anger. Whether it's an opinion or a confrontation, the point is it needs to be done in love. 
and humility. I, I yeah, I can't stress that enough. I think we, I, I realize how many times I've confronted someone and I've always or often done it in anger and that's on me, that's not on them. And, and I usually, when that happens, almost always lose a Christian brother or sister. I lose that, that relationship, um, you know, we get unfriended because we'd rather do that than. Because we're human beings and we've, from the beginning, from the Adam and Eve days, we've sinned and we carry the sin nature from the littlest baby doesn't, he wants to please his parents. And he also wants to please himself. And there's nothing, they learn this behavior and we, the families, ingratiate this behavior and we just don't know how how to get along with people. And And we intentionally and unintentionally and hurt each other and that's part of the sin nature of being a human being and who we are. It's all forgiven, and that's the most important part. And, and the gospel is exactly and the that. The gospel is that we sin because we can't help ourselves. The gospel is also. And Jesus didn't. But the gospel is also that we can rise above that because Jesus right. calls us into a different way of living. We gotta stop. Um, talk some more later on.